Welcome to episode 42 for Monday the 7th of March. I'm Stephen Scott and uh, coming up I'll be joined by Sean Priest as we talk about our topic of today. What can business do for accessibility? Special guest Robin Christofferson joins us. Welcome to Blind Guy Talks Tech with your host, that blind guy himself, it's Stephen Scott. It's a brand new week. Hi, Sean. How are you? I've got the Monday blues, but I'll go over it. Oh, How are look, you? We, we had all that over the weekend. I'm not having any more blues on this show. It is, <laughs> honestly, any more blues, I'll start playing country music. And we cannot <laughs> have that. No, we cannot. No, we cannot. A good weekend? Was it relaxing? Did you chill? I did. You know what? Like I say, it's it's spring makes a difference, right? I'm sure I've got that. What do they call it? Sad. I know I am sad. You are but, sad, uh, yes. Seasonal uh, thingy disorder. I just think about a bit of brightness, even when you can't see it. Just <laughs> no, makes you weird. feel so much better. I'll be honest, I tend to feel the sunshine through my closed blinds at home. <laughs> That's the way I tend to enjoy it. And it does, it makes me feel better. I think, oh, the sun's out. That's nice. A bit of heat. Yeah. A bit of energy comes back to you, right? So, um, yeah, I'm feeling good. Good, good, good. Well, uh, we've got a big topic today, getting businesses on board with accessibility to help us with this. A man who knows all about that because uh, it's his job, essentially. That is Robin Christofferson. Yes, he is the guy who comes with us on the weekend edition journey and also here on various of our Blind Guy Talks tech episodes. But he really does know his stuff when it comes to this because, like I say, it's Amazing. his gig. Um, he talks to businesses all the time to try and kind of make them understand the need for accessibility and also the need to employ disabled people. Because do you know what? We're actually quite good when it comes to it. Well, we're not, but the other no. other blind people. Other people other are disabled great. People, other every, great. I could listen to Robin for hours because every time he talks about something like this, it's just so much information that I didn't know. It's just he. this guy knows his stuff. He knows his onions. He does. Do you like onions? I knew you were going to go off on a tangent. Well done. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a shame that wasn't a fruit because I could have said, what, you mean a tangerine? But that doesn't work because uh, you see it was that was, yeah, vegetable. Sorry. Yeah. Uh -huh. anyway, um, <clears throat> do, but do you like onions? It's a serious question. I don't know. I love onions, but uh, onions don't like me. Oh, so it's like everything That's... else in life, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good for you. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Tickets still available. Um, <laughs> listen, we've got lots to talk about on the podcast this week. Actually, quite a busy week. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, social media and why does it make us all so damn angry? Mm, uh, that's going to be an interesting um, conversation. Um, angry conversation, maybe. Yes. Well, actually, I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be quite a relaxed conversation because mm. we're just going to talk about how social media has uh, impacted us. And I will say we had this conversation uh, with Fern Lullum, who is a journalist and broadcaster out of the UK. She's also uh, on the network, which uh, you and I work on as well, AMI in Canada. And uh, she does stuff for BBC, for In Touch on Radio 4. Uh, oh, she's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I'm so glad she came on to the show. And uh, she, she did, we did this a while ago because she's uh, going through uh, cornea operations at the moment, so she's not really Ooh. around at the minute for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but we do wish her well. So, uh, yeah, she's going to be joining us on the uh, programme from a pre-recorded conversation, which I will say happened, obviously, way before the events in Ukraine and way before, um, well, a lot of the, the tension that we see already. But, you know, social media, it doesn't really matter what's going on in the world. There's always someone angry somewhere. You know, it's like... 
in I can't remember where it is in the States in, in Nashville or wherever it is in the country music towns you know where they say it's five o'clock somewhere so get drinking um, yeah. well on social media it's just eight o'clock somewhere <laughs> there's always time. someone angry at you on social media Exactly. Um, but, you know, it's not just that we're talking about this week. We're also going to be uh, recapping on the Apple event. Oh, it's the Apple event tomorrow, Sean, Tuesday night. I'm, I'm surprised you waited this long to mention it. Yes, the Apple event, which I said wasn't going to happen, is happening. And, uh, well, you're always excited by Apple events. I know, but and then, you know what? Uh, so am I. I'm, I'm not going to play it down anymore. I am excited. I just know I'm not going to buy anything, but I'm still interested to see what they do. I might be tempted if they bring out a Mac. Uh, maybe an iMac or a Mac Mini Pro. There's lots of talk around what this new Pro version of the Mac will be in desktop form because they haven't done that yet. There hasn't been a Pro version at this point. They've got the iMac, but they haven't got a Pro version that's replaced the uh, Intel that's... versions. That's true, yeah. And there is, uh, I mean, an M1X maybe, like mm-hmm. a next little step up for the processor. Maybe that's the way to go. don't know. Not long to wait. We will find out. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. And so Wednesday's podcast, we will be focusing on that. So you can tune into that. Uh, also, we are going to do a demo. Well, I say we. I mean, Robin's back with us on Thursday for an unboxing and demonstration of the Echo Show 15. That is the latest Echo show to come from Amazon. Uh, but this one is just ridiculous. It's a ridiculous device because it's, it's huge. Uh, it comes with like, a, I don't know, some kind of picture frame style thing going on. It's, it's, it's a 15-inch display. Really, it's built for the kitchen, let's be honest. And um, Well, is it? I mean, I've seen I it so. in, the, in the hallway. It, look, a smart device dashboard, a lot of people see it as, or, uh, you know, a notice board, the electronic notice board, mm. one day you know, post-it notes and everything. So, yeah, it's a strange one, though. I can't see uh, many people, because there is no stand for this. This needs to be put up on a wall. You can't even, you know, put it on a shelf or anything. It, it is to be wall-mounted. So it's a bit of um, a commitment, I would say. But, yeah, it's an interesting one. I won't stand for that. What, commitment? The, 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 no stand. Oh, stand. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, Come no. on. Uh, oh, yeah, no, that was horrendous. I'm really but, on my um, own in this one. <laughs> Yes. Do you like onions? <laughs> I can't believe you said that. I just, I, 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 I don't mind an onion. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan, if I'm <sighs> being brutally honest. You know, but they're okay, right? I mean, it's right. whatever. Thanks. Email. Hello at blindguytalkster.com. <laughs> Do you like onions? Stephen's Do you like got onions? the emails out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, do keep your emails coming. Hello at uh, blindguytalkstech.com. Also, you can call 0204-571-3354 to share your thoughts. Stick around. Robin Christofferson joins us next as we talk all about how businesses can get involved in uh, making their products more accessible, making their workplaces more accessible for disabled people. That conversation next. This is an urgent appeal from the Disasters Emergency Committee. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes to escape conflict in Ukraine, leaving jobs, belongings and loved ones behind. To donate online, search DEC or text RADIO to 70150 to give £10. Thank you. Today 
are asking the question, how do you get business to understand accessibility? Well, who better to get on uh, this week uh, than Sean Priest? No, I'm only kidding. Sean Priest is here, though. Hi, Sean. Hello, I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> He's just here because he looks and sounds amazing in that shed. Sean of the Shed podcast, by the way, you must check out from AMI Audio. Absolutely brilliant if you want to learn how technology works from the ground up. Got to check out Sean of the Shed. Anyway, uh, let's bring Thank on you. our guest. Yeah, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm, a, I'm a giving. I'm like Santa Claus. Well, gosh, yes. I tell you if I keep this, if I don't shave any... Uh, you know, the shaving routine sorted out. I am going to end up like that. Uh, but yes, uh, with us this week, Robin Christofferson from AbilityNet. And Robin, I know you, you're on this show a lot, but I wanted to bring you on from your professional perspective. I mean, I'll be honest, we always want to empty that professional brain of yours. Um, okay. But this time around, really focusing on the job you do at AbilityNet. And really, that question I posed at the top there is, you know, how do you get businesses to understand accessibility? Well, that essentially is what you do. So, you know, how do you do it? How do you get businesses understanding what accessibility means uh, in order to, you know, benefit all of us? Okay. Well, yeah, it's a really good question. And I've been with AbilityNet now. In case people aren't aware, AbilityNet is a, a UK technology and disability charity. So all areas of tech from what disabled people have in their hands through to uh, digital design, inclusive design. Um, and also all areas of disability from, you know, recognised disabilities through to eye strain on a Friday afternoon, wrist pain, uh, you know, whatever it might be, then uh, it, we're a one-stop shop, which is really, really useful because uh, professionals, whether you're, um, you know, in HR or whether you're a web designer, it's really good to have one place to go to be able to, you know, think about your disabled employees or your disabled customers, etc. So, yeah, that's who AbilityNet are. I'm head of digital inclusion there. I've been there for 25, 26 years now. Wow. Uh, so things How old are you, Robin? Yeah, I'm ancient. You did you start <laughs> when you were seven? <laughs> so a lot has changed. We had the DDA, you know, the Disability Discrimination Act, and it wasn't until 2003 that it was a legal requirement for websites to be, uh, you know, not to discriminate against disabled people when it comes to digital. So that was when it all kicked off. And since then, we've had um, a growing consultancy team uh, working with organisations to make sure that their their whole digital estate is accessible. So that's websites, apps, intranets, um, even kind of digital marketing campaigns, ads, all that sort of thing. And uh, we're about 30 strong now, that accessibility team. Um, and yeah, w a lot has changed since then. Now, the Equality Act in 2010, I know I'm getting all legal here, but it's really important that in, uh, listeners know that um, it's a proactive requirement for organisations to make sure that their websites and mobile apps are accessible. So if, uh, you know, you're applying for a job with an organisation, for example, and they say, oh, I'm really sorry, we haven't got any screen reader users, so the, th the thing isn't accessible, that's no excuse at all. It has been a legal requirement since 2010 to make all new websites and, you know, uh, things that you purchase for use within your organisation or stuff that you create for your customers to deliver your services, etc., are accessible. So, you know, that's all products, basically, you know, nothing pre precedes that. Or if it does, then, you know, there's been a, this proactive requirement to retrofit. So and that's, just that's to going that to surprise people, though, isn't it, that, that that is, in fact, the case, considering how many examples we see of people going for jobs, being told that something's not accessible to them. Uh, you know, even in the workplace, learning that intranet systems aren't accessible, 
you know, so that's still going on despite the rules. And I guess it's it's who enforces those rules. And how do you how do you get enforcement action done? Absolutely, it's the case. And, you know, we're not a litigious society, not, you know, like the States, for example, where a lot of legal action has kind of shifted the needle there. But I think that things are changing here for the better because people are getting the, you know, there's been a real festival of diversity in recent years, you know, everything from BAME, LGBTQIA to, uh, and disability obviously is part of that. Now we tend to be the sort of Cinderella, the poor cousin, you know, kind of left out of the yeah. party to a certain extent, but um, initiatives like the Valuable 500, the amazing Caroline Casey, just search for her on the internet and you'll be in tears. Um, really championing that at C-suite level to get buy-in by, you know, um, the chief executive or the CTO or CIO of an organisation to make sure that it's on the agenda along with all of those other areas of diversity. And it's just the right thing to do. People are, you know, there's a recognition now that it's just the right thing to do. And obviously the legal kind of backup helps there. So until probably four or five years ago, we were getting organisations saying, why should we do this? Now they're saying, how should we do it? And COVID, uh, you know, the, the laser focus on digital in the last 18 months or so has really helped. And some, you know, technology pundits are saying that it's concertina sort of 10 years of advancement in technology down into those 18 months. And we're all seeing that we're all using amazing space age technology to you know have meetings to work collaboratively on things. Um, so, you know, inclusion is a really key part of that. And the sort of things that disabled employees have been calling for for years, flexible working, the choice of home working is now a reality and they're not going to give that up lightly. And I don't think that other um, employees are as well. But let's turn to website accessibility here. So the the business case for making sure that your products and services are inclusive is huge. So we've mentioned the the sticks, you know, you've got the, the legal requirement, you've got the, you know, brand uh, damage potentially if, you know, in the press or whatever, people say, I tried to do this on your app and stuff and, you know, I wasn't able to do it. And we've seen really high profile cases like Domino's in the States, for example. So there's the, there's the sticks, but the carrots are huge as well. So the purple pound here in the UK is estimated to be 274 billion pounds. Now, what that means is disabled individuals and their families have a disposable income. So that's money they can spend on your services of that amount, 274 billion pounds a year. And there was a survey uh, called the Clickaway Pound, where 76% of people said if they meet inaccessibility on a website, they'll go elsewhere. So, you know, and I could give you loads of other stats as well. But basically, you know, you are going to really be losing out on real revenue if you don't make sure that your websites and apps are inclusive. More than that, Microsoft, for example, have started to talk about this. And this is something that I've been including in my presentations for a long time now. It's something called situational impairment. So... Uh, with the advent of mobile phones, every user, regardless of whether they've got an impairment or not, is uh, extreme computing. You know, a small sheet of shiny glass on a sunny day, using your phone one-handed, bumpy bus, noisy cafe, um, you know, few seconds before you get to the top of the escalator to quickly, I don't know, order an Uber or whatever it might be. So there are loads of situations where every single user, for those seconds or minutes 
have exactly the same requirements as people with a disability 24-7. You know, if you're tapping your phone with your thumb, you have the same uh, requirements as someone with a motor difficulty. And the guidelines are very clear. So for any developers that are listening, you know, that's like minimum tappable area size of 44 by 44 PX, good separation between tappable elements so you don't actually get the wrong one. So, you know, those directly translate into really easy, inclusive design for everyone. So, yeah, there's a very real business case, and that, I think, is getting a lot of traction. If you build in accessibility from the start, then it's about 2 to 5% additional uh, work involved in making sure that the, your products are really inclusive. That's nothing. The reward, the ROI, is enormous. The RNIB did some really interesting research a few years ago. They got some visually impaired users to test websites, <clears throat> And those that were uh, accessible, obviously those blind users and visually impaired users were able to use them more effectively. But actually, the most interesting result that came out, there was a control group of testers that had no disability at all. And that's what you do in research, you know, if you want to really get um, the right results and make sure that you're not skewing for other factors. And this control group found that the sites that meant um, a minimum of single A were easier to use as well. On average, they completed their tasks 35% more quickly than sites that didn't meet single A. So that's a really tangible result. You get a 35% usability bonus for every single visitor when you meet the bare minimum of accessibility. So yeah, really powerful stuff. Wow, Robin, that was so much information and absolutely right. I, I want to get to you know, the accessibility awareness that we have today, because I can still remember talking to companies when I'm looking at a product and asking about accessibility and then not knowing what that was, not having any idea, not having any interest when I explained what it was and just saying, no, we, we, we don't do that. You can't use this product. And it seems over the past few years that, you know, every company is aware of accessibility and, and through work that you've done over the past 27 years. But why do you think that is? Do you think that is purely down to legislation or is it down to them? You know, some of the reasons you mentioned there, is it down to the profit margin? Is it down to usability for all the users? Or do you think it is the stick rather than the carrot that has made this change in our culture, really? I think it's definitely both, but the average person who um, graduates from a computer science uh, or even a games design degree won't have done much on accessibility. They might have done one module, in some cases one lecture, and that's not enough because it actually kind of has an impact on every single thing you do on a daily basis. Yep. So it's just about having those guidelines in mind. Now, those guidelines, when it comes to the, the web um, for example, people will have heard of WCAG, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, aren't straightforward. You know, it's not like a five-point checklist and job's done. But for a coder, for somebody who is a developer, they are totally, um, obviously, understandable and able to be kind of factored into your thinking. You just have to do things in a certain way. Uh, it'll take that extra little bit of work, as I mentioned before, checking, you know, adding on alternative text to images, making sure that the headings, that the sort of structure of the page is reflected in the heading hierarchy, etc. Simple things. Make sure that, you know, when you're about to publish a web page, tab through it and make sure that that tab follows a logical 
sort of sequence through the page that you always see where the focus is. It doesn't kind of disappear for certain links or buttons, etc. Yeah. Um, so there's some simple things that you can do. Um, but yeah, it's not kind of rocket science, but it's just people aren't aware. You know, it's kind of not in the training that they have. Uh, it's not prioritized from, you know, the top down, etc. It's not pro properly resourced. So there's a lot of reasons. And we've recently started to work with our clients in a different way. So rather than kind of piecemeal, oh, let's do an audit on this website or app. Uh, let's do some diverse user testing here. We've actually started to work with them in something called the Digital Accessibility Maturity Model, which was where we sit down with the relevant teams and we work through this kind of matrix of things that look at all the areas within their organization where things should be just so. You know, is accessibility reflected in your documentation, in the component libraries that you use? Is it uh, reflected in your training? Um, is it properly resourced? Have you got accessibility champions within the organization? Blah, blah, blah. So that then kind of embeds a more mature approach to accessibility and it's not kind of ad hoc firefighting and in the worst case kind of bolted on at the last minute and uh, oh you know it's going to cost too much or take too long to retrofit so you know let's drop it off so um yeah shift left as it's called and the brilliant larry goldberg of uh, verizon media are born accessible that's what your products should be so right from the very start just when you're conceiving the new idea, get some diverse user input, um, you know, check the very initial wireframe designs, templates, etc., so that there aren't going to be any nasty surprises later on. Yeah, I mean, I know we're going to be talking to some uh, real experts in this field of web design in future episodes of Blind Guy Talks Tech, but I just, I really do feel that this is a really interesting time because we are hearing more people talk about accessibility within websites. It felt to me, you know, with the benefit of hindsight here, looking back over the last five to 10 years, it feels like in some ways, there were so many tools available to developers and they just decided, let's have a play. You know, it was almost as like throwing the, the kid into Toys R Us and saying, off you go, have a great time. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you think about all the Flash websites that came up out of that mm. and all those horrible designs where you could barely navigate a website. Remember, you could only navigate some sites with a mouse because you had to move the screen with the mouse in order to get the rest of it to load all that nonsense. Uh, we're getting away from that. And people are talking about typefaces more. They're talking about dark mode. Uh, and these are all seen in the, the wider world as tools to just, you know, help with, you know, with, for example, working at night. Um, you know, just as simple as that. But these tools are all born out of accessibility, right? And that's the joy here that, you know, it, it goes back to my key point of what we do here and what I want to talk about here is that accessibility is for everyone, it's not just for people who are or identify as disabled or are disabled. Um, totally. It's for everybody. Absolutely. And we would encourage everyone to play with the accessibility settings on all their devices. For example, in iOS, uh, Apple, a couple of uh, iOS versions ago, brought accessibility out from under general. So it's now in full view and people should definitely play. If you took all the settings in the settings app and put them in a massive spider diagram, then over 60% of them would have been, would are in that accessibility settings section. So, you know, you're ignoring a massive part of how you can customize your device to work better, more efficiently, uh, you know, so obviously we all want to change, I don't know, the, the, the notifications that we get, you know, tweak those settings so we're not bombarded with them, but we don't miss important ones. Why don't we, you know, just see what it's like to 
just change the you know the, the button size slightly the text size slightly um you know for us as blind users uh, we really dig into the voiceover settings and uh, kind of optimize those for our usage etc but there are so many in there and it's not just for people with disabilities absolutely what you were mentioning before you know reader mode in in the browser mm. if um you know that's a, a mainstream thing it's really really loved by people they object if they hit that f9 in edge to reformat a, a web page and yours doesn't do it those ads stubbornly remain there yes um and they object to if when they hit the play button safe you know they're busy they, they want to walk away from their computer a second. A lot of people are using that reader mode to listen to a web page. As screen reader users, we're used to hearing garbage file names on unlabeled <laughs> images, for example, or exposed code for poorly, you know, written JavaScript. Yeah. They'll start to hear that too. So, you know, this is um, definitely mainstream things that you will, would damage your brand for the average user if, you know, it doesn't nicely transform in immersive reader mode. And if it starts to, to read garbage out, you know, you wouldn't want that. And you're going to be helping disabled people for whom access to digital services could be as important, particularly when, you know, COVID and a lot of people are still very hesitant to go out, um, even with numbers falling away a little bit, um, you know, it could be as important as being able to get food delivered the next day. So this is really, really important stuff. It's about life opportunities. It's about getting through education successfully. It's about being able to um, successfully apply for jobs, let alone, you know, be accepted and be able to use the systems that are, are there when you do. And it's about, you know, leisure and pleasure as well, being able to be part of this fantastic thing that is, you know, a digital world. And uh, yeah, please. Think Robin, about your huge community of uh, disabled users as well. For people who uh, want to know more, so let's say there's a website designer listening to this and thinking, okay, I want to, you know, engage here and, and find out what I need to do. And, and, you know, I think we should also always add the, the caveat of it's okay to ask. It's okay to not know. Uh, so many people I see sometimes, if you go on Twitter, of course, Twitter is a great place to go. If you love to be irritated and angry, Go As to Twitter. Do. Yes, yeah. go just spend a day on Twitter <laughs> and your your heart will burst with delight. Um, uh, and also a heart attack because you can't handle the stress that it gives you. Um, you know, because people just love to shout and scream at people. If you get it wrong, it's shout, scream, you know, call out, cancel. No, we're not doing that here. That's not what this is about. Uh, and it's not what I believe most people are about, actually. I think, you know, it's about having a conversation and asking the question because we don't all know the answers. Uh, you know, I know a lot about blindness, but I don't know anything about being deaf. I don't know anything about being, you know, uh, you know, in a wheelchair or Absolutely. having multiple sclerosis. I don't know any of that. Yeah. Um, so I need to learn that. I need to understand that. So in this case with web design, a web designer may not know about the tools of accessibility because, as you've said, Robin, they aren't exposed to that at web design school. So, you know, that's a problem, right? So it has to be uh, addressed. Now, your company can help with this. How do they uh, how can they do that? And uh, where should people go? Absolutely. So AbilityNet, all one word, obviously, uh, you know, it is all one word, but definitely is on the on the website. AbilityNet.org.uk. We have a wealth of resources. Um, it's all about tech and disability and digital is a huge part of that. Our stakeholders are disabled users, but also, you know, web designers, web developers, um, mobile app designers, developers, etc., decision major, makers, budget holders, we have something for everyone. There's a brilliant business case for digital accessibility page. Uh, you can just search for AbilityNet and then these other things like uh, business case, 
uh, for accessibility. We have a range of um, online resources that are updated all the time. We have webinars, uh, several a week, um, really deep dives into there's accessible gaming uh, back in uh, November last year. And then we had TechShare Pro towards the end of November last year, which has resulted in hours of content from the, the leaders in accessibility across the world. And there's also a really good uh, monthly accessibility insights uh, interview that I do with the you know leaders of accessibility. So the head of accessibility at uh, Microsoft, Jenny Leigh Flurry, head of accessibility at uh, As Was, at Apple, Sarah Herlinger, um, Christopher Patno, head of accessibility at Google. All of these people are giving you their really amazing insights into how to do it as well. But I'd also want to point you at a website called webaim.org. That's web, A-I-M, stands for Accessibility in Mind, webaim.org, because there are some brilliant resources there as well, pan uh, impairment. Uh, probably, you know, from a developer uh, point of view, so that that's a, a brilliant resource I'd want to point you out as well. At the end of the day, though, you will feel really passionate about it the more you get to know about and get to grips with the guidelines and there are specific guidelines for each platform and you will be confident that you're producing a better product for everyone because there's absolutely no conflict between uh, those guidelines and just good design sexy design um, responsive design Ooh. all the things that a designer and a developer wants to be able to do in their product in fact these are pushing you in that right direction so you're going to be ending up with better products for everybody that you're going to be really happy with and you'll know that you're making them uh, as inclusive as possible for the broadest audience possible yeah if you're a web designer ask yourself the question right now what if i went blind what if i went deaf would i be able to use my own website and if the answer is no fix it yeah or um, your mum or your grand yeah, exactly Exactly. Uh, Robin, it's been brilliant talking to you about this. I'm really glad we brought this up as a conversation today on Blind Guy Talks Tech. Thank you uh, from Ability Now. We'll catch you again soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. And Sean Priest, as always, thank you for being with us uh, for whatever it is that you contribute to this podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so kind, honestly. Uh, but yeah, thanks to Robin, thanks to Sean. Uh, we will, of course, be back tomorrow. We're talking social media and uh, the impact that it has on all of our moods. Uh, ooh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Journalist and broadcaster Fern Lullum joins me tomorrow for that. Don't forget, you can get involved by emailing hello at blindguytalkstech.com or you can call on 0204 571 3354 and leave us a voicemail. We will look forward to hearing from you and we will, of course, get into all of your comments in upcoming episodes. Until tomorrow, goodbye. Goodbye.